So what kind of changes did you make and how did your parents feel about it? <laughs> did they yeah. go, did they go, oh, that's great. Or they go, Atak, what are you doing? More the latter. Um, really? The like, what, 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 where was the most resistance? The whole way, the whole way. Really? Every step of the way. Um, yes, we have a very traditional Filipino household where you can't ever do anything right. So. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Turuturo, the Filipino restaurant podcast, where each week we profile restaurants or food trucks serving delicious Filipino cuisine. This is your host, Jean Carangal, avid home cook and event promoter for the Adobe Throwdown Cooking Competition and Food Expo. I'm here with Camille de los Reyes, owner-operator of Sari Sari Filipino Restaurant, Market, and Bakery and the new Sari Sari Supper Club. So can you tell us just, just some general information about the Sari Sari Supper Club? Sure. Um, so Sari Sari Supper Club was the um, second concept um, created by my husband and I, Adrian De Los Reyes. And um, we opened, soft opened in late December of last year, 2021. And we officially opened our doors this year Early in February, it was our grand opening. Um, so the concept of this restaurant was really to highlight um, how Filipino food um, can be represented or um, in other types of cuisine, how you can see similarities and differences between Filipino food and other Asian cultures and Filipino food and American cultures. Obviously, um, Filipino food um, has a lot of influence anyway, from Spanish um, rule to trade with Mexico, trade with, um, you know, spice trades with India and other parts of Asia. So we have a lot of um, different um, countries influences in our food already. So that's kind of what I wanted to highlight within Filipino food and somehow make a bridge to um, what people here locally can expect out of food. Find those okay. similarities in the interplay. Okay. And, and where is Sorry Sorry Supper Club located? Which part of town? Sure. So I believe it's called the west side of town. Um, it's near SeaWorld. So 151 and um, and military. Okay. And this is on the west side of San Antonio. Correct. Cool. And then what what days are you open? What are your hours for the restaurant? Our hours um, currently are Wednesday through Sunday. Um, we're open for lunch 11 to 3 and dinner um, 5 to 9. On Saturdays and Sundays, we are open for brunch from 11 to 3. And in August, we plan on opening on Tuesdays as well. Okay. And yeah, I've been to your restaurant a couple of times. And I got to say, it is is... So everything's very well executed. And my description of your cuisine is like elevated Filipino cuisine. Sure, yes. Um, we definitely have put a lot of time. Our chef's name is Adrian Abella. Um, he is Filipino and he's from the Visayas region of the Philippines. Um, but he is um, formally trained in um, culinary trained. So in French technique and has been cooking in... Um, really high levels, kitchens all around San Antonio. So we're re really lucky to have him and um, his knowledge on how to execute food, prepare food, um, really infuse Filipino flavors into um, different types of cuisine um, has really, like you said, I feel elevated our menu. And then he's from Visayas, which is the central part of the Philippines, right? So Luzon is in the north. Visayas is the central part and Mindanao is the, the southern part. So he's from Visayas. Correct. And then how long was it, how long did he train, trained, it was, was it, how long was his culinary training in, in Visayas? Oh, emphasized or in Visayan? I'm sorry. In Visayas, I mean, in, uh, how long did he train, was his culinary training? How much experience did he have? Oh, I'm not sure exactly how many years, um, but he's over 20, I believe. Okay. Um, and his uh, Filipino experience came from working at Sorry Sorry. Oh, great. So that was um, how um, our relationship was formed. Okay. 
So I, I want to talk to you about your 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 personal your your family growing up. So uh, were you born here in, in in Texas, or were you born in the Philippines? I was born in the United States. Um, my mom came on a nursing visa. Um, her contract was in Texas, but she actually had me in California where some of her family already was. Um, so I was born in California, but we're Texan all the way. Okay. So um, did your mom and dad meet in California or did well, they get married they were, here? Or, they were or... married in the Philippines. Um, oh, okay. I had a brother there. So, you know, traditional immigrant story um, came over on her nursing visa. My brother stayed behind. Um, my dad followed. They had me um, or she had me and then my dad followed one way or the other. Um, you know, it's tough sometimes. Um, everybody's story of how they got here and, and the sacrifices um, they made to be here and to come into this country. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of separation for our family as well um, while my mom was in Texas and uh, working on her nursing career and getting the rest of the family over. And then for those who don't know, that is very, a very typical story of migration to the United States. Typically one family member will come and they will, uh, they'd have to take some time to petition the other family members. So how long did it take between when your mom uh, got to the United States to when your dad was able to come over? I feel like it was a few months. So it wasn't too long, at least oh, okay. three, I believe, before um, we were all together. And then, but it wasn't five years till my elder brother came. Oh. Um, so, the, okay. Yeah, that typical story. It's, it's, it's come back. Um, oh, excuse me. It's come back to really, um, to, you know, full circle, seeing that stories still happen in present day with different families that are immigrating from the Philippines. Okay. So, so you were born in uh, California, which part of California? Long Beach. On Long Beach. Okay. And then how long did you, how long did you stay there? About three months. Yeah. Three months. Okay. And then, then you moved to Texas. Right. Mm -hmm. Did, so was it, so did you move to San Antonio? There yes. you go. Hey. I was here for the snow in 83, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's when I was born. So I'm a fairly recent transplant to San Antonio, so I don't remember this. No, basically. So so you grew up, You so you've been in San Antonio pretty much all your life? Pretty much, yeah. I how, went to how, college um, in Austin and then in San Angelo, um, but pretty much native to San Antonio in Texas. Okay. So how was it growing up in San Antonio? Like which part of town did you grow up in? We grew up on the west side where our restaurant is now. Um, it's grown so much in the last um, 30 something now, in the last 30 or so years. Um, I've seen the, pop the Filipino population grow as well. Um, I believe that that's one of the main reasons that our, our original location was supported all these years. Um, so we're very thankful for that. Um, but growing up, I was practically we didn't move with a lot of family we moved with a lot of nurses also mm -hmm. so we, there was a nursing population that you know that became my titos and titas um but eventually some along the way my mom was able to petition some family to come and our family grew a little bit um, but growing up there was only one other filipina at my school um all the way through like elementary to middle school maybe a handful in, in high school. And it wasn't until my parents opened the store in 95 that we met, that I really got to see more and more families and more and more of the community. Um, so it's been very important and has become part of my mission to really um, showcase what Filipino food and, and who the Filipino people are to the San Antonio community. Because it was always um, a struggle to find people like me, to see people um, in bigger places and on bigger stages representing Filipinos. Um, so I think so much can be done when you see um, someone who looks like you. They, we don't all have to become nurses. Like exactly. Else, um, like to see someone of your kind doing doing other things um, is really inspiring. So I just want to do everything I can to highlight the Filipino community and how broad and diverse we can be. 
Uh, it's very noble of you. Uh, but and I have some more questions about when you were growing up. Um, so did you speak Tagalog in the home or? So yeah, that wasn't a big thing either. Um, I believe like in, in my generation growing up, it was so much more important to assimilate. Um, there wasn't very many people to speak to either in Tagalog. My parents spoke to me in Tagalog so I could understand um, if they needed to say something to me in secret. It was always okay, in There you go. <laughs> but um, I always responded in English. Um, I tried to speak Tagalog. I was kind of discouraged because I had an American accent. Mm. Um, but it was, it's something that I wish I would have learned and I still want to learn. It's on my bucket list. Um, it's something that I wish I could teach my kids and I wish my parents would, mm. but same thing. They're all so used to speaking English to us. Um, that's, um, our number one way of communicating at home. Right. But, but it's hard though. And this is what I've heard from, um, all my cousins that grew up here and that if you had to speak, in, if you were speaking Tagalog all the time at home then they would mix up their words at school. Mm. Like they would mix up English and Tagalog. And mm. I remember this happened to, a, to my cousin and the teachers kind of told the parents, asked the parents and then, and then his parents are like, all right, we gotta cut that, <laughs> we gotta cut that out. So ever since then, just to assimilate, they had mm. to stop, you know, talking in Tagalog. Sure. And, and this day now he feels like he, he re kind of regrets not keeping up, but he kind of made up for it. So what he did was he moved to the Philippines. So now he's, he's got, he oh, grew great. up all his life here, but mm -hmm. now he moved to the Philippines. He's older than me and he's establishing a business there. And he's really, you know, he's really discovering his roots, which That's makes awesome. me just, just super proud of him. And I think you're seeing that more and more. I'm hearing more and more young people. They want to, they want to, you know, learn about their roots, learn about where they came from. I think there's more Filipino pride now than I can ever remember, which is Agreed. wonderful. Agreed. Yeah, I think the, the mindset has shifted now. It's more, it's more encouraged to be different. It's more, people are more um, interested in, in learning about other cultures. There's more appreciation for those, those kinds of, you know, yeah, cultural differences. Um, and I think now it, people aren't scared to to challenge their children to learning multiple languages and are learning that that's actually um, better kept at a younger age if you are introducing them at you know at the language um, learning center like three and four years old. Yeah. Um, so I'm sad that we're past that point where it's easy to learn so many things, but um, but I'm I'm hopeful for for yes, the new generation. And I want to see things like that in our community, like language, um, so that it's easier for people to access, um, yeah, the culture, the history, the language, cooking, all of those things that um, we're hoping to preserve, especially here in America. Um, because yeah, we do um, want to know where we came from. I'm American, but I don't look like your typical, I don't know, Anglo person. So um, I'm very much Filipino and I'm very much American. And I think that's what Supper Club is. <laughs> yep. So, so growing up, so let's go to your education. So where did you go to, let, where did you go to high school? I went to uh, William Howard Taft off of Calabra in 1604. Okay. And then what side of town is that? West side. That's all, so on the west side. And then you said you went to school in Austin. Uh, you went to, to college University, in Austin. Yes, the University of Texas at Austin. I got my bachelor's um, in science. Okay. So, um, so what did you do after college? Oh, I continued. I went to um, San Angelo, Angelo State University and got my master's of um, physical therapy and then went to Temple University to get my doctorate in physical therapy. Oh, okay. And then, and then, so what? So what? What happened after that? Did you start working? Oh, did right. You start so your career. I, I did. I was okay. um, a physical therapist for about eight, about eight years until my um, youngest was born. My son was born in 2017, and that's kind of when I stepped back. Um, 
from therapy and I felt like, um, although I felt like I had a really well-paying career and job, it wasn't enough to support my family. Okay. Um, it was hard to um, take care of three children, to pay for daycare. They're also young. I had them back to back. So I have a, right now they're nine, seven, and four. Okay. Um, but at the time I started, sorry, sorry, it was like four, two, and zero. So um, that's when I made the shift to... Um, um, ask my parents if I could purchase the business. <laughs> oh, okay. And, uh, so you bought the business from I your parents. The business from my parents. Um, I wanted to be able to uh, pay for daycare and, you know, uh, pay for my livelihood. <laughs> okay. So let me ask this: When you purchased the restaurant, uh, did you have like a set business plan? Did you have the financing? Like, how did you, how did you uh, pull that off? Well, they were lucky uh, enough to let me um, make payments. So um, they let me assume the business um, and um, that's how it got started. Um, I was able to just um, make changes to the menu, to our marketing, um, improve um, our revenue and um, put more money back into the missus to make the improvements that it needed after 20 years of being running. Um, so we were able to put all that um, that we made back into it. I wanted to create a better experience for our customers um, to really give thanks for, for getting us through the last 20 years. Um, unfortunately, the timing was at the same time of the pandemic. So not only were we trying to learn and grow our new business um, and our family, we were um, we were faced with all the challenges of having to close our dining room for two months, keep our staff employed. Um, my goodness, find a way to generate revenue when everybody was staying at home. Um, so it was pretty insane, but um, I'm thankful and we're super blessed to have seen our way out and to be on the other side, I think. Okay. And now yeah. for the recession. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask this a little bit later, but let's go into it now since you already brought it up. Is um, I was going to ask you about the challenges that you encountered. And, and I wanted to ask you about how COVID affected your business. So, besides, I know all the uh, every restaurant was affected, restaurants had to shut down. Can you go into a little bit more detail on how COVID affected your business? Right, so we were lucky that we were deemed an essential business early on because we had a grocery and a restaurant. So um, being having the grocery really, really helped because restaurants okay. did have to shut down um, their dining room, and that was that was insane. Um, so we lot we had to you know send staff home or find other um, other ways that they can stay busy in the business. So. Um, we tried to make sure that we could push out to-go orders, um, push out family packs to the restaurant, you know, do curbside, um, employ DoorDash, even though they were taking like 30% of everybody's sales at the time, and um, which was making a killing on restaurants. Um, but luckily being an essential grocery um, that had uh, specific goods like Asian products. Um, people still, you know, the Asian population still needed to cook at home. Yep. So we became a really good resource for that. Um, and at, it was really at that point when things clicked. Um, we're lucky to stay open. We're lucky to um, feed our employees um, and keep them employed. And then, it, and then we're lucky to support our community and have our su community support us back. So at that point, it really felt like we were needed and we had to do everything we could to stay open for everybody else that relied on us. And then to support the frontline workers who I feel you know, super connected to because my mom and dad were both nurses and without that and without that community, like where would we be? So um, they're essential to the Filipino community as well. So supporting them through the pandemic was also very important to us. Um, and I think just pouring everything we could, all the love we could into our business is what helped us 
um, to survive because we weren't we weren't going to close our doors. We weren't going to back down. We weren't going to um, just we weren't going to fold. We, we couldn't. So many people relied on us. Um, and through that, we we opened the food truck. Like I said, that was something that we had that we were ready to launch, but it wasn't until pandemic that pushed us out. Um, so the food truck wasn't ready. It was still a blank slate, but we were like, we're going to put this out in the market. We're going to serve those communities and find the people are, who are at home that, you know, um, aren't leaving right now and find a way to generate income to keep the kitchen employees cooking, um, to keep our servers serving somehow. Um, so it was a lot of, a lot of different, um, shifts. Um, luckily. So basically what you're saying, failure was not an option. Failure was not an option. Right. Yeah, no. And I did want to say, yes, but this is essential. So you have to stay open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we uh, were lucky. Yeah. So I can't imagine um, for bars that had to stay closed a lot longer. Um, yeah, there were different restaurants that were, that were making the restaurants pantries. So um, to already have a grocery situation set up was was um, a nice step in, in the right direction. Um, but then there were other things like um, shortages and um, supply not coming in or supply um, becoming ex expired at the docks or just, you know, the cost of transportation to get products um, to the middle of the, uh, of America. Right. There's a cost to that. So you were, you were hit with the supply chain uh, challenges, right? That a lot of the restaurants are going through. So right. yeah, what was the biggest like hit as far as supply chain? Like what, what had the most impact? Rice, we ran out of rice. Uh, I don't know if that if you got affected Holy with that, crap. but there no, was a well, during the COVID, during the pandemic that everybody was running out of rice. And one point we had to buy re rice retail to sell it in our store at just a few dollars more. But it seemed like price gouging at the time. But um, there were no Asian suppliers that had rice. Cisco and um, Ben and Keith were charging like three times the price for Holy rice. Cow. Yeah, that uh, that is. That that's yeah that, that seems like price gouging. I remember when when the pandemic started happening. So I I better buy spam. So I bought a whole lot of spam, and then as soon as I did that, there was no spam available at mm -hmm. any store. And I was fortunate that I got a bunch of rice right as it was happening, because I and then I saw it happening. So I'm glad I got some rice, but I don't know how long this is gonna last. We had to take rice off our menu. People were mad. Um, cause, but then we put it back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's so hard back. to do is, is that, I mean, that's a staple. We have rice with every meal, right? That's what people, a lot of people don't understand. We eat rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. So right. I can't imagine. So how long did you have to shut that, be, be riceless? Riceless. Oh gosh. Maybe it was, maybe it was a month. It was like, oh. as soon as it came back, we put it back on. Um, I mean, we had it, but you had to pay for it. It was no longer included because there mm -hmm. was none to include. Yeah. So, um, but everybody Ouch. complained. So right away, we had to make that switch when rice came back in stock. And then you also had to deal, of course, everybody's dealing now with inflation. How are okay. you weathering that storm? Oh, still trying to figure that out. <laughs> okay. um, it's rough. Um, inflation with food costs, those are kind of oh, easy to control because um, those numbers are concrete, but then you also have labor being inflated like ridiculously. Mm. So that's a tough one. Um, and then it's hard to justify labor if, um, if we're walking into this recession and people aren't gonna be coming out anymore. Right. So we'll see how this next thing um, you know, how we handle whatever comes down the pipe. Yeah, because it's. I think everybody that I've talked to is going through uh, labor shortage problems. Mm -hmm. Nobody has an answer. I, well, you're in a very tough position. Right. So shortage is an issue, but now it's not just the shortage. The people that do want to work well, are only willing to work at a very high rate. 
So that's becoming the problem too. It's not just the shortage because there are people that mm -hmm. want to, okay. but they're not going to do it for what minimum wage was. We have no minimum wage employees right now. All so right. it's just non-existent. Yeah. Um, so that's a new strain that matches with inflation. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, there's no choice but to pass that along to the, the customers, customers, right? Because there, there is no choice. You you can't sell at a loss because that's right. how people go out of business. Right. Um, so yeah, that that's very tough. Uh, what other challenges besides uh, COVID and you got the labor shortage, inflation, and supply chain? What other challenges? Uh, okay, what is the biggest challenge that you're going through that people do not know? Oh gosh, what a good question. Um, I mean, touching on those things, those are some um, some of the bigger ones that we have to handle right now. Um, yeah, Gene. No, we can come back to that. That's all right. Hey, so I wanted to talk to you about the changes that you made to the original restaurant. So what kind of changes did you make and how did your parents feel about it? <laughs> did they yeah. go did they go oh that's great or they go Adak, what are you doing more the latter um, really traditional like, well, what, where was the most resistance the whole way the whole way really <laughs> every step of the way um yes we have a very traditional filipino household where you can't ever do anything right so <laughs> okay. but okay so i gotta tell you something though i was there for the transformation. Like mm -hmm. I saw how it evolved too. And then I didn't know that you had purchased it. So what happened was I started coming it's like, hey, there's a lot of different things in here. And it's like, hey, there's like, I think you had made like ube cookies and, and you were trying all different things. I'm like, hey, this is really smart. The, I mean, somebody is making changes to present Filipino food. And, completely different way so when i saw that you know i was asking around and said, yeah you know it, that uh, that you had bought it and, and i'm like that makes sense so ever since then i've been just keeping an eye on all the stuff that you've been doing and so far you know everything that i've seen you do okay that made sense so yeah just just kudos to you and all the changes you've been making. I know, you know, it can be unnerving for your parents. I can't imagine, but they need it to be done, right? You need to set yourself apart from, you know, just, uh, you don't want to be a, a turu turu restaurant. You want to be, you want, you, you want to take Filipino food to the next level. And that's what I see it's happening. Thank you. Thank you, Jean. We, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, very much. Um, yeah, it was very hard to go against the grain of, um, you know, what they had been doing for so long and what they felt was working. Um, it's hard to come in with a fresh set of eyes and think you know better. <laughs> so who am I? Um, it's been a lot of years trying to prove that, but I don't care to anymore. I think um, um, that's a lot of mental health. <laughs> yeah. But you have to straight, stay true to yourself. Right. right. You don't. You shouldn't care about right. what other people think. You have to stay true to what you believe, <laughs> and don't let everybody, anybody else tell you, right, that what and you're I, doing. I think is that wrong. really has been my biggest take home because, yeah, it really, it really is tough um, to go in and change a lot of things. People that have had had seen the transformation, it, ha I, it's almost unrecognizable. Um, even the people are not even the same faces that you might have seen um, five or six years ago, but we're still there. We're just like lurking around. Um, or maybe you haven't seen my face since I was small. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's hard to implement a lot of changes in um, somewhere that's been there for so long and has been doing something a certain way for a long time. Um, but like you said, there's um, there's so much that... Um, I think that the Filipino culture has to offer. And I wanted to make that um, more apparent to the whole community. Um, okay. So let me ask this. Uh, did that play into 
your decision to open up the Sorry Sorry Supper Club? Yes, I believe so. Well, we had the opportunity um, to open a second location and um, that's kind of, yeah, the direction that it went to. It went to um, um, at the original location on Warsbach, even though we did a lot aesthetically and we've changed a lot of the menu, we've trimmed it, we trimmed it down a lot. Um, it wasn't a place that we could ever really introduce anything new because it became a staple to the community that people came there knowing what they wanted already. Um, and um, so they, they came for the Ponset and the Adobo. The new people came for the Ponset and the Adobo and the Lumpia, but the, the, the diehards, the, um, our, our supporters, they want what they want. So we, could, we couldn't introduce anything new. And that's why we did the food truck, but then that's ended up why we did the, the restaurant because the food truck is also limiting in the space. Okay, so on the, on the restaurant, a new restaurant, can you, we're gonna do a deep dive in your menu. Can you walk us through your menu? Let's talk about the appetizers first. Sure. Um, oh, I got one. <laughs> the appetizers, we have lumpia on our menu. We didn't want to change that. Um, that's that's what that's one of the struggles that that we um people don't know. Lumpia is such a such a hot commodity um, when when anybody thinks about Filipino food. So we're super glad. Um, but it's one of the things that we have a hard time keeping up with. Um, but it's one of the best things that we have. So we kept it the same on this supper club menu. Um, hopefully one day we can do more things with it, but it's a beast. <laughs> it's well, I, first... I have some, I have some yeah. ideas for you and then we'll, we'll discuss it offline. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have Kinilao. Um, that's a... so, okay. So for, the, so for those who are not familiar with Kinilao, what is Kinilao? It's, um, it's raw tuna on our menu. Um, it's a very similar preparation style to ceviche okay. um, or um, any type of crudo that's becoming really popular these days. But um, yeah, for us, instead of curing it with lime like they would do in a traditional ceviche, we cure it with vinegar. Um, okay. We also add calamansi, of course. Um, and calamansi is the Philippine lime, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And then what fish do you use? For the kinilo, this is an ahi tuna. Oh, cool. And then, so, so you have the lumpia, you have the kinilo. What, what else do you serve? We have some calamari. We have, um, so that's just tempura squid. You know, um, pusit's really popular in the Philippines. And then we wanted to bridge it with just something pretty common to yep. in American cuisine. Um, we have some five-hour chili ribs um that okay so the five hour chili so how do you how is that prepared is it baked so is it brine they brine the pork spare ribs um in a um citrus and dry rub so that it um the flavors are really enhanced into the meat and the meat is fall off the bone tender um then they flash fry those and then dredge them in some hot chili um, we also serve them with some house pickled okra. That's really delicious and bright and it complements the dish as well. Wow, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I have not had that yet. So I need to make sure to have that next time. That's one of my favorites, yes. So that's um, your favorite appetizer? I'd say I probably order the ribs all of the time and the chicken wings made practically the same way. Um, okay. Chef brines them in this calamansi brine that has lemongrass so it's everything that we do our manok in it's like a inasal inspired yep. manok um so he brines our chicken wings in the same um brine overnight and then um they're um dredged with some potato starch i believe to make it really extra crispy and then he grates some parmesan on top he tosses it in some hot oil as well and uh, they're delicious so those okay. are my go-to's the brussels also um, Brussels sprouts aren't a Filipino vegetable, but it's one of the only vegetables I eat. So okay, so do you what? How do you prepare the Brussels sprouts? Um, those are flash fried as well. Um, then he dredges them in a honey vinaigrette um, with calamansi also, 
And then there's feta, there's um, sliced apples, there's fried shallots on it, and there's some fried manik, some peanuts. Okay. So mm -hmm. I'll tell you a, a thing with that. I made uh, deep fried Brussels sprouts with kind of like an adobo sauce. So oh. you just put soy sauce and vinegar and, and okay. a bunch of garlic. Mm -hmm. So it turns out really well. Yeah. So, uh, so those are your appetizers. Huh? You'll have to try ours. They're so yep. good. I guarantee. You. I think you know what I think I have is really good. It's very very tasty. Thank you. But you also have uh, you have the lumpia sariwa, right? You do. Mm -hmm. so, but you call yeah. it a crepe. We call it a crepe. I feel like that was one of those play in words. No one would ever know what a lumpia yeah. sariwa is, but um, it's similar to a crepe in that it's a very thin, delicate kind of pastry. Um, and then um, we fold up the bean sprouts and the lettuce and the either sauteed chicken or shrimp. Did you have that one too? Uh, my wife did. She loved it. And I like, I really like the way you present that because typically when you see lumpiang sariwa, it's, it's not, and then here's the thing with traditional Filipino food, it is not presented well. So they will put like three or four, you know, uh, lumpiang sariwa on the plate. It looks terrible and so, so it, it tastes really good but it doesn't look good sure. the way you guys present it you have a large like mm -hmm. sariwa, and the way you present it, it it's like you pay attention it's almost like you put like every nut or the the, the sauce is placed a certain way like mm -hmm. everything has to lay in place that is so Very intentional yeah yep and then and i'm like I was, I, it was like almost too pretty to eat. Oh, thank you. So. Thank you. And yeah, then, okay, so you have the lupia, sorry, with the, but you serve that as an entree, right? It's or kind of it... like in our salad section, oh, like okay. a little bigger than an app, um, yeah. something light or shareable. Okay. So, so let's go into your entrees now. What do you typically serve? Because I already have my favorite. So what, <laughs> I, I'm going to let you talk about Wait, your entrees. are we talking about lunch or dinner um you know what let's do lunch first then dinner sure okay so lunch um we typically serve salads or sorry a sandwiches or rice bowls and um the sandwiches are a play on um maybe you know your top five most popular sandwiches so we have a kfc sando which is a katsu fried chicken mm -hmm. um so a typical chicken sandwich with our spin on flavors and spices um, we have some goju janja aioli that makes it a little bit spicy, um, some fresh herbs and um, pickles um, for the Philly beefsteak. Um, that's like our, um, like a cheese, a Philly cheesesteak. So, but we use our beefsteak um, ground, not ground meat, but our sliced um, beef that has been uh, marinated in the soy sauce vinegar type seasoning with some caramelized onions and some provolone cheese. Um, another one. I'm very curious about that. So it's basically sliced ribeye or sliced steak yeah. and marinated in, in, did you say vinegar or did you like mean soy so Or soy sauce and citrus. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. Okay. So that's the beef steak. That's cool. the beef and then steak. the caramelized onions. And then, so I'm just very curious how that plays with the cheese. Oh, good. <laughs> really? Okay. So good. No, because sandwich, I always want cheese on my sandwich. Really? Because <laughs> I was thinking the beef stick. I, I, okay. I'm going to have to. Try, okay. I will trust you. I will try that next time. Don't try that. But I was thinking like, I, I would, I don't know if I would. All right. So I'll try it with the cheese. I'll take your word for it. Okay. And so there's three. Okay. What's the other two? The other sandwich, there's a lichon cubano. So we take our um, roasted pork belly that um, that we also use, um, from our, um, porchetta dish that you'll see at dinner. Okay. So we take some of that roasted pork belly. Um, we pan sear it on the flat top. Um, we put it in between, um, some ciabatta with some mustard and mayo and some pickles. And that's our lechon cubano. Okay. So our take and on then, the sandwich. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, the pogi boy. We're about to take that one off the menu, so grab that one while you can. Oh, what's the pogi boy? <laughs> it's kind of like a a po boy sandwich, like a shrimp po boy sandwich. Uh -huh. so, and what's what's what what's the protein? Shrimp. So shrimp. tempura battered shrimp, um, some may sriracha mayo, lettuce, and some machada. So, okay. Yeah. What about if you 
thought about, you probably thought about this, a lechon koale po' boy. Oh, like a pulled pork po' boy. We no, have... it wouldn't be pulled pork. It would be like the, the lechon koale, which is a deep fried pork like oh. bit. So it would be like cubed uh, mm -hmm. lechon koale mm -hmm. and then in deep fried. So, and then you put it with like maybe the, uh, the, 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 the uh, mang tomas sauce. Yum, yum. Oh. Sounds good. Okay. And then, so, so that's the, and then your rice bowls are mainly, are the, just the rice, ver is this the meat with rice instead of the bread? Practically, we have the ribs that we kind of have on the top, um, but these are our adobo ribs. So these ones kind of come with a gravy. Um, that'd be the closest that we have to pork adobo. Um, the chicken curry katsu is kind of like a Japanese curry and um, over rice. Um, and then the um, pulled pork plate is actually our crispy papa. So Ooh, yeah, you know so what? instead of my... five pound pork hog, it's made for one person. Okay, so I was gonna tell you about like my all time favorites at your, at the original restaurant is your crispy pata mm -hmm. and then your mm -hmm. kare kare. Oh, your yeah. kare kare sauce mm -hmm. is amazing because yeah. typically, all right, so typically the the kare kare sauce this is, and then th this is the uh, oxtail soup for those who don't know and that it, it's peanut butter based so typically it's very oily and it separates like yours is velvety smooth it's mm -hmm. almost like you, you 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 like emulsified it but there's you can't tell the fat it does the fat doesn't separate it's right. just the right texture i really i think yours is my favorite for Thank kare kare you. Thank you, Jean. And I'm a kare kare snob, so. I love kare kare. It's one of the, yes, this is one of my favorite dishes. It's my uh, my seven-year-old's favorite as well. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the timing with that one. And yeah, my dad would be the best one to talk about that. But yes, okay. it's all about the timing and the heat. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so going back to the supper club. So you have, uh, uh, so for dinner at the, at the supper club? Mm-hmm. For dinner, we have humba. So that's kind of a Visayan version of pork adobo. It's a little bit on the sweeter side. I like that one as well. We use the pork belly. Um, that one's braised, um, I feel like, for five hours as well. Okay. Um, uh, it's got some pineapple and some banana blossom and some cajos beans, which are some black beans. Okay. Um, that one pairs really well with our taro mashed potatoes. Um, so that's just like a mashed potato play with um, mashed in there with some gabi with some taro and um, some parmesan everything that makes it really creamy so those two go really well together as well as with the um, pan roasted manok so that's what i was telling you was our in a chicken in a sal inspired dish so the one the chicken that's been um, brined in the calamansi brine um, with lemongrass and fresh herbs, um, crispy okay. skin that's been pan seared um, before it comes out. It's really delicious. Okay, so let me ask you how that's prepared. So do you pan sear it and finish it in the oven or do you, how do you cook it all the way through? Right, so um, they do um, put it in the sous vide. So it cooks a, or oh, it's, okay. it's, um, very tender and juicy. The brine helps with that as well to remain its juiciness. And then we just pan sear the, um, the skin on the plancha okay. crisp. So you have to prepare that ahead of time. It can't be made to order. Way ahead of time. Okay. You know, everything is prepped um, and then is made to order. It's the whole thing you learn about with um with pars and expectations and and yeah, nothing can really be done on the fly. Everything on our menu is takes days of preparation. Like mm -hmm. meats have been, you know, brining or just marinating so that you can really fully um, taste the flavor, um, keep the juiciness. We don't really shortcut anything at the supper club. Um, that way you really just um, appreciate, like you said, um, the preparation, the attention to detail, the execution. Um, chef has um, you know, so much knowledge and technique um, that I really feel like that's what's elevating the Filipino flavors is that, he can make it in a way that it's very much enhanced. And um, you can tell that time and love was really yep. put into the dishes. And I'm, I'm telling you, it shows in both the presentation and the taste. Thank you. And then, okay, so uh, do you have any uh, beef dishes? The bistec. 
Philanthropistic. That's a and traditionally in the Philippines, it's like thinly sliced beef or cubes. Uh, I guess my mother-in-law makes them a little thicker. It's like a beef steak almost. But we really wanted to present it like an American steak. Um, we chose ribeye because it's one of the more tender and juicy cuts of meat. Um, so this version is a full steak that they've um, um, laid caramelized red onions on top and um, it's just prepared to temperature and um, it's really beautiful. With this okay, so I got to tell you about the beef steak. Okay. My first time going to, to, to Summer Club, mm-hmm. I saw beef steak on the menu. I said, okay, I want, uh, I have one order medium rare. And they told, they said, unfortunately they ran out you guys ran out so i went back next week because i had to have it right i had to have it i could not miss that out and and my wife's like why are we coming back we we need to go you know we need to spread out go to different places like no we got to come back for the beef steak and it was phenomenal the the reduction that you did with the sauce Mm -hmm. and they it's almost like a glaze, mm-hmm. right? And it really also accentuated the onions. So I'm like, oh my, it was so amazing. Oh, so I really, you. really like that. And I told a lot of my friends about it. So when I, when I tell people, if you go there, get the bee stick. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. It's a, I've, it's been a curious start to see how we've been received. Um, it's, it was very interesting at the beginning to um, to hear people's expectations and think that the supper club was an exact um, just second location of their original. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people were very surprised to find out that our menu was, diff- was different and the, the concept was different. So we had to do a lot to change our verbiage and to continue to educate um, everybody at what what's going on at that second location. But um, I do really, I have put so much thought into this menu and um, I hope that when people read it, whether you're Filipino or not, you might pick up on certain things that are familiar to you based on, you know, your culture. Um, But I hope those Filipino notes are there and that they're appreciated from the Filipino community and um, that they're open to learn, to experiencing Filipino food in a different way, other than how it's normally prepared at home or even at our original location. Um, Something that I think we're also very proud about is our um, porchetta. So that's our like our roasted pork belly because Filipinos are so popular, have popularized lechon and roasting the whole pig. Um, and then, um, in times where that's been difficult to find, it's the little pork belly has become popular. And to me, that just looks like porchetta, but I feel like Filipinos have gotten that down perfectly. So we present ours in a porchetta style that's uh, individualized and one for one person, but it has all that lemongrass and, you know, bay leaf and all those spices that make it Filipino, including that, um, that, uh, crispy skin, Mm-hmm. So um, it's all there. All the Filipino-ness is all there. Yep. It's just, everything's there. It's just presented in a different way. So you took, what you did was you took the main ingredients and then put your plate on it to give it your own, right? All right. So let me, let me ask this. What would you consider your signature dish to be in this restaurant? Oh, for this one, I'd say the porchetta. I see anything that has to do with lechon or pork. (laughs) Um, Our red snapper is also beautiful. Um, The escabeche, that was something that we used to have on our Sorry Sorry original menu too. Some things that we retired from that menu, we've put. Okay, so the escabeche, is that that the fried fish with kind of like a sweet and sour coating with vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. And then what kind of fish do you use for that? The red snapper. Red snapper. Okay. So that's a whole fish. It's presented um, very beautifully standing up. So that's another one that I would say. Okay. So all these things, I'm going to have to try that next time I come, which should be soon. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you also have some desserts, right? Walk me through your dessert menu. Yeah, we have some not to miss desserts. Um, Our pastry chef is 
amazing. He's an excellent chef as well. He's also Filipino. He comes from the Bicol region, which is also where my dad is from. So I think those, <laughs> those people know what they're doing. Um, maybe I'm a little biased, but <laughs> he's created a beautiful um, cheesecake that's been Turon inspired. So the cheesecake has been blended with bananas. It's got a beautiful cream cheese finish and caramel um, glaze. It's got a tiny little torch senorita banana on top. Okay. That's one of our favorite, favorite cheesecakes that we just can't get rid of because everybody loves it so much. Um, during the winter, we had like a champorado rice pudding. I had that. <laughs> but awesome. right now, during... I, had I had both. Like, Did I had, you have I the had mango one? The, uh, no, that's just the champorado. I, wait, you had mango? We have a mango one now since um, chop, we took the champorado off after. All right, yeah, then, then I have to come back. Yes, yeah. So it's like a play on the Thai mango sticky rice. Mm. Um, so it's a mango um, rice pudding as well. Okay. Just like the champorado. So how do you decide what goes into your menu? I'm a foodie. Right. <laughs> I love to eat. I love to visit other restaurants. I love to learn new things. I love to try new things. Um, it's always on my radar. So I just tell chef, I want to see this. I want to eat this. And he's um, been able to put my thoughts into real life and, um, and put his own spin to it as well. Like sometimes I'll say something and it's even better than what I can imagine. Um, or sometimes I'll say something and he'll make something and I'll say, add this or that, and then it's perfect. Um, so it's just a really great relationship. Um, their knowledge is just, just wow. So off the I, charts. yeah, off the chart, I, I feel like we really have um, a true gem um in our kitchen and I can't wait for everyone to really see what we're doing at the restaurant um but like I said chef Luigi Ong also is um Bicolano he um is creating a lot of our desserts and pastries and um some of the brunch menu as well um the ube french toast is so delicious. He creates this ube babka bread with the ube swirl. He has a white chocolate ube ganache um, that, you know, everything. Wait, is ube ganache. Up. Hold on. What? Okay. What, what goes in there? <laughs> like, I, I like everything that's coming out of your mouth right now. I know. No. It's <sighs> amazing. It's, it really, really is um, what they've created. Like the bread is so fluffy, you know, they batter it with the egg, they pan sear it. The ube ganache is just, just whipped. Um, you know, white chocolate cream that's just like so delicate yet doesn't melt. It's the most amazing texture and not too sweet, not like a frosting. It's it's the best. Oh my God. Um, he what puts big is... whip on this uh, coconut macadamia pancake stack. So that's another one that's on the brunch menu. Oh. So when do you serve brunch? I've never been to your brunch. Right, you have to come back for brunch. Yeah, it's I, I, only I, I, Saturdays and Sundays. What time is that? I'm sorry, what time? 11 to 3. 11 to 3. Okay. Um, and so you, you were talking about, oh, you know what? I, I did forget to ask you. So what, what kind of reaction do you get when, you know, like the traditional, the people who expect traditional Filipino food and they, and they see your menu, what kind of reactions you briefly it's touched on it. <laughs> it's, it's not always good. Um, for, so, what, how do you respond to that? on your expectation, right? I mean, if yeah. you walk in thinking it's a traditional Filipino restaurant, you're already kind of disappointed hmm. um, for whatever reason because of whatever expectation you had. Um, so, I, I don't take it too personally. We're trying to do something different here. Um, we have our original location that caters um, that kind of food. And we really didn't want to mess with it. I felt like we didn't want to duplicate that, that restaurant and run the chance of um, everybody saying, oh, it's not as good as the original. <laughs> so it's two different clientele. Yeah, right. it's two different clientele, but we hope that it can expand to both, that it's appealing to both. You just have to realize that they're not going to be the same thing. Hmm. Um, but okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let me let me ask this. Uh, speaking of expansion, sure. Uh, 
what are your future plans um, for the restaurants? Are you thinking about you know expanding? Are you thinking about another location? Are you are you thinking about diversifying? So, what can you tell me? Um, there's always opportunity, which is great, and um, it's it's having to choose what to say yes to at this point. Um, and being wary of not running yourself too thin, <laughs> but we are, we are blessed definitely to have the different opportunities. I think Stone Oak is missing food. Um, so that's something I know that they want up there. Um, so we might look to finding a way to achieve that one day. Um, diversifying as far as um, our reach into the community. Um, that's where a lot of my attention has gone lately. Um, just trying to make more of a presence um, for the Filipino food and culture in San Antonio. Um, food stalls could be a possibility okay. or, or something. Um, I don't know. We didn't realize that... Um, that we were so loved <laughs> when we walked in or when we opened up the second restaurant and everybody wanted the exact same restaurant as the first one. I was like, even though they were disappointed, I was like, wow, I didn't realize we were so loved. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> so maybe one day yeah. we'll have another branch of the same thing. <laughs> I was thinking that maybe uh, because it's the Sorry Sorry brand that maybe, you know, just a, a different name but still under the same family would let you give you more kind of uh, creative license, mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, sure. Just a thought, but I, so I really want to applaud everything that you're doing, especially the Sorry Sorry Club, because that is something that's sorely missed. The way you present Filipina food is the way uh, it, it, we should, we should start doing it the way you're doing it. You're, 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 paying more attention as to how something is presented because people eat with their eyes first, right? Mm -hmm. And then they'll eat. So that's something that's sort of, I think that it's, a, it's an area of opportunity for us Filipinos. And that's a way we can you know, bring up our game. Sure. But I mean, it, do, it does help. I mean, um, the fact that the community is growing, the fact that there are more and more restaurants or food trucks, um, more and people, more and more people are being exposed to Filipino food. They're seeing Filipino people on TV, and that's and that's wonderful. Or chefs on cooking channels. That's yep. great. So um, the more and more our, our food gets exposure. I imagine more and more people will be walking through the doors trying to figure out what it's like or where can I get it. So it's wonderful that we do have Filipinos always in different pockets and in different industries feeding their coworkers and their, you know, their neighbors, their, yeah. you know, just everyone. And that's how before restaurants, that's the only way people had a taste of the culture. My neighbor's Filipino or my, you know, my coworker brings me pancit all the time. Right. Um, but we have to go food. get past the the you know the stereotype of pancit and lumpia, right? Sure. Filipino food is way way more than just pancit and lumpia. I mean, there's there's sisig, there's there's caldereta, there's I mean, there's so many good things that I feel like people are missing out on. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and it's still uh, it's still very new. I think uh, Filipino food to our population. So we see in our numbers when it's lumpia, pancit, and adobo that we're probably reaching locals more than we are reaching um, the, the Filipino crowd. When we see our numbers go up in Karekare, Sinegang, and Dinuguan, then we know that people are being more adventurous and they're ready to try more things um, or it's just our Filipino you know, population. So those are the things that we kind of look for to see, you know, what's trending and what's happening and what we can do with our menu or what we can do to, you know, further educate people about what's beyond Ponce Lumpia and Adobo. Yeah. So that's awesome. So you're tracking, you're actually tracking data onto what people are ordering. Oh, sure. Right. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we don't do that enough. We need to, <laughs> we need to analyze because, because we need to make data-driven decisions when it comes to business. Sure. Right. So mm -hmm. cool. you're doing this, the, 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 the very smart. 
And then have you noticed, here's what I've been noticing. There's a, like ube is trending right now. Sure. Ube is everywhere. You see now, you see ube pancake mix, ube waffle mix at Trader Joe's. You say ube, ube inspired burgers on mm -hmm. magazine covers, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I'm like, oh, so we have to take advantage of this trend. Like yeah, that's our thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is one uh, one chef that is getting attention for making ube desserts, and she's not Filipino, so I really want it to be us. I really want um, the Filipinos to continue to hold the title of ube. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to go to your restaurant for brunch, and I'm going to take a bunch of pictures of the like, ube ganache and the ube French. You said ube French toast, right? Yes. No, I got to mm -hmm. take tons of pictures of that. Oh, okay, yeah. so friends, the whole brunch menu is amazing. You're going to want to get it all. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to wear my buffet pants. <laughs> so, so this is the time of the show that we're going to do the lightning round. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So there's 20 questions and don't even think about it. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. You ready? Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's time. So no pressure. <laughs> okay. No, that's okay. All right. Let's go. Pancit okay. Bihon versus Pancit Palabok. Palabok. Chicken adobo versus pork adobo. Pork. Ube versus Makapuno. Ooh, makapuno. Jollibee Chicken Joy or Max's Fried Chicken? Uh, Jollibee. What is one food you would never want to give up? Ooh, what a good one. Oh my gosh. Can I say pastries? Sure. <laughs> pastries. Okay. Pastries. Favorite non-Filipino restaurant. Oh gosh. Favorite. Your foodie is hard to do this, but first thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. Our go-to is probably Pinch Boil House for the fam. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I know she, yep. great mm -hmm. restaurant. Okay, here's a tough one. Favorite Filipino restaurant that is not yours? Anywhere? Anywhere. Anywhere. Oh my gosh, there's I met a lot of those. I would say uh, I'm going to give it to. There's a time limit. Yeah. Huh? I'll, I'll give it to La Cita in LA. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Topsy Log versus Spamsy Log. Man, tough one. Ooh, spamsy log. Ooh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer or winter? Summer. The Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. What is your guilty pleasure? Food. Would you rather sleep in late or take a long nap midday? Uh, oh, man. Sleep in late? If you could be transformed into one animal, which one would you choose? I've been told my spirit animal is a lizard, so I'm going to okay. say chameleon. Okay. What is the one thing you regret spending money on? Oh, mosquito repellent spray. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's a... If Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump were both drowning and you could only save one, who would it be? Oh, gosh, that seems politically triggered. <laughs> Whoever does more for the benefit of the good, I'm going to say, I don't know, who's who's that? None? Can I say do nothing? You can say none. Do Last nothing. book you read. Yeah, you can say none. Last book you read. Last book I read. Oh, goodness. I'm going to say the four agreements. Okay. Is your bed made right now? Yes. Who is your favorite Disney character? Oh, gosh. I don't know. First one that comes to mind. I'm only thinking of Raya right now. <laughs> That's good. That's fine. All right. Here you go. Big question. Describe your restaurant in one word. Oh, gosh, Jean. Resilient. That's the one Great. I came to Mm -hmm. That's awesome. All right, you did great. That was the lightning round. Okay, I have one last question. You did a great job. I have one last question. 
Mm -hmm. uh, actually, this is an invitation. Oh, okay. I am putting together uh, well a an adobe cooking competition in mm -hmm. in October, October twenty third. Mm -hmm. It's good, the, called the Adobe Throwdown. Mm -hmm. I would like to invite you to compete against other restaurants here in San Antonio. Do you accept the invitation? Oh gosh, I guess I have to. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no pressure. Okay, so all right, so let's. Well, thank you so much, Camille, uh, for spending your time with us. So, uh, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Um, we run our social media, uh, my husband and I. So, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I probably believe the most ways, uh, best ways to communicate um, that were found publicly. Also, Google, we run that too. Okay. Are you on Instagram and, and Facebook? Mm -hmm. and Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you on the Twitter? I'm not on the Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Man, nobody is now. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much, Camille. Thank you, Jean. All right. Thank you for listening to Turu Turu the Filipino Restaurant Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Salamat po at magkita tayo sa susunod. Thank you so much, and I'll see you in the next episode. Next episode. Next episode. Next episode. Next episode.